0: I'm Allison Mueller, and you're listening to Steady State Podcast.
1: Here at Steady State Podcast, we are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing stories about the humanity of our sport, we're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is
2: Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. This episode is made possible by Concept2 and Breakwater Realty. If you're a fan of podcasts, try putting workouts in your ears. The free Concept2 workout podcast, As the Flywheel Spins, offers you invigorating workouts to help you strengthen and condition. Coach Katie Hart will lead you through each workout stroke by stroke, there's over 100 workouts to choose from, and new episodes are added every two weeks. Find Concept 2's As the Flywheel Spins wherever you download your favorite
1: podcast. Located in Portland, Maine, Breakwater Realty Group is defined by integrity, service, and expertise. Breakwater challenges you to create a vision for your life and love where you live. Call the team at 207-712-4041 or visit BreakwaterRealtyGroup.com. Breakwater Realty Group, the evolution of your real estate experience starts here. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode, a conversation with Brent Keek, director of marketing for King Racing Shells. He fell in love with rowing when he was just 13 and looking for direction in his life. Rowing helped Brent land his first job and introduced him to the woman who had become his wife. Today, Brent's personal and professional philosophy is all about getting more people in boats and sharing life lessons learned from rowing. If you missed it, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or anywhere you get podcasts. Allison Mueller is many things. A highly competitive master's rower, a successful business owner, former communications director for U.S. Rowing, Associate faculty at Columbia University School of Professional Studies. We've followed her career trajectory for years, and her most recent news and marketing campaign has really got us enamored. Allison recently announced that she and her husband are expecting a baby early in the new year. She wrapped up the 2022 season having rode seven regattas and 15 races, 14 of them with her plus one. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. There she is. Thanks for squeezing us in. I know you've had a crazy morning already. First of all, hi! Nice to see your face hi, again. Hi! Nice to see <laughs> you. Happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. We're looking okay. forward to chatting with you today.
0: Yeah. Thanks. I am excited. I'm also like curious. I've been on in your seat for much of my professional career, so. <laughs> Uh, talking to people that think they don't have anything interesting to say. And you're like, uh, oh, you want a gold medal at the Olympics. Like, it's interesting. Just talk, just say something. It's interesting.
2: Well, we've definitely interviewed everybody along the spectrum. We talked to like the board president at Halifax Rowing Club in Nova Scotia, all the way to like Eric Murray, you know, and we try to get everybody in between. And our whole take is the everyday real life rower. Everybody had to start somewhere everybody had an oar in their hand for the first time at some point and experienced it and decided to stick with it. And that's kind of what we're getting at. That's what we like to dig at is what made made it stick. Um, And with you, we just saw you at Head of the Charles. How was your Head of the Charles?
0: Yeah, this Head of the Charles was unlike any before. Um, My first was in college and most recently as a master's rower in a single. And when I learned I was pregnant late spring, early summer. Um, and I registered my single for the head of the Charles. I did not actually think I would be there. Um, maybe I would be there. Maybe not. No pressure. It's the single I can scratch at the last minute, but um, to, to have been there and to have done it surprised even me. Um, and certainly my family, my dad's like, be safe, you know, be safe those bridges and everything, uh, it was an incredible experience. And I felt like I was able to share it with my teammates that were in Boston, my friends and family that weren't in Boston and sort of hopefully inspire others to continue to live their athletic dreams uh, throughout motherhood and pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there are certainly those that did that for me and encouraged me to do that. And so uh, yeah, doing my part to carry on the rowing tradition, well, strong rowing women tradition.
1: Yeah, we've been really enamored with your, your posts over the last couple of months since you announced that you were pregnant and you've just shared with your friends and folks on social media in this really open and honest way. And it's adorable, you know. I, we're totally enamored. I loved your original post. Uh, you, you posted a photo with a little baby on board sign stuck into the bow number wedge on your boat, and I just thought, like, of course, of course, that's how you announce <laughs> your pregnant when you're a rower, <laughs>
0: right? it's right. hard to up the game. I mean, there are yeah. some creative, um, baby announcements out there. Yeah, People are like, Did true. you actually row with that? I'm like, no, no, no. It was in there for five seconds before I took the picture.
2: Yeah. I really loved the mother daughter single event and the one X plus event. <laughs> <laughs> the mother daughter single was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Just Very the two fun. of us. <laughs> Chugging
0: along. Must
1: have, yeah. And that must have felt really special for you, you know, shoving off, not just ahead of Charles, you've ended up racing all season, right? You've raced several regattas, several races, won a bunch of races, meddled in a bunch of races. And each time you've shoved off, you're like, I've got my little person with me.
0: <laughs> it's fun to um, do it publicly. I think during the summer racing, I hadn't announced anything and it was like, it's yeah. 100 degrees, it's Diamond States. I feel like poop. And yeah. nobody knows why. And can I just go home and eat ice cream? The head of the Charles was a little bit like people are like, can I help you carry the boat? And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the oars are heavy. All of a sudden, please carry the sculling oars down to the top. So I-, I felt like a VIP and I wasn't even, de- I mean, hello, this is master's row. I mean, as you can see from my course time, I did not break any course records. I didn't do anything mm. quote unquote special um or to anyone else, but it was um it was a really fun, enjoyable regatta for me. No pressure. There was yeah. there was no pressure whatsoever. So that was pretty fun. One exception, I didn't want to get in anybody's way. So I didn't mm. want to ruin anybody else's head of the Charles because it's the head of the Charles for everyone. So okay. Pregnant lady, like move out under weeks. Like just give me a break. Just just
1: a little bit. Yeah. Have you at this point, um, lost some of your length into the catch? Are you able to get about a half slide three quarters slide? Have you had to adjust your, your technique a bit?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And people warned me that this would happen. I have a few friends that had rode late in pregnancy and people that came out of the woodwork to tell me how late um, in their pregnancy they rode, which was cool. Um, Yeah. There's a fair amount of like knees apart. So you kind of end up like thinking you look like a frog, but I mean, I don't know in my head, I looked amazing, full slide, long stroke, I don't have a lot of video footage, thankfully, of what it actually looked like, but I it was probably closer to three-quarter slide or even half slide.
2: I really liked the half slide is the new full slide. Wasn't that one of your posts? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I felt similarly about that event as you did,
1: Allison, about going down the course where, yes, we wanted to go fast. We wanted to row well, but this was in a composite boat. We were probably not row this composite boat again and so for me it was let's go have a good time and i i think we did <laughs> it's a really different feeling when you're going down the course to have fun to go for a row and see what happens and say you know there's not a ton of pressure here like we don't need to finish top half
2: right now like we don't need to win we had a really great time at the charles I didn't realize what camaraderie there was with that director's challenge event. Like there were Olympians out there in Marvel costumes and, (laughs) you know, Endeavor with crowns and CRI with T-stop signs. And, you know, it was very fun and, and, um,
0: and, and we had a great time out there,
2: but it was kind of a cherry on top to get to row at the very, very end of the regatta
0: there. Uh, I haven't done it in a team boat for a few years now, but I have to say the, the basin with a bunch of single scholars, it's all of a sudden like you're all on one team. It's like that at a lot of regattas, but Boston special, obviously, in the sense that everybody's sort of looking out for each other and lining up, chatting with each other, um, people from out of out of the country taking video doing video selfies. It's it's a really fun atmosphere, even right up before the race
2: yeah yeah so what event exactly were you in
0: yeah so i raced in the uh women's 30 and 40 plus singles so they put the 30s and the 40s together uh which in the past few years has attracted a lot of uh recently retired olympians olympic champions um, and elite rowers which makes it super competitive um especially like in the case of last year i had a a lower bow number uh, by virtue of the year prior and was in front of a lot of people that I thought on paper, holy smokes, I should not be here. Uh, so it's an it's an intimidating event. It's really fun to say like, yeah, uh, Karen Davies, Jevy Stone, Emily Regan, they they all raced in in my event at the head of the Charles. Yeah,
2: that's definitely true. I know we I felt the same way when I looked around at the Olympians that were in in various eight. Like that's that's pretty cool. So we're all out here together all in the same river, right? Same stroke, same water. We love to have our listeners get to know you. And one of the ways that we do this is we put you in the hot seat and we do something called rapid fire. Are you ready? For sure. Okay. Port or starboard? Port. Bow seat or stroke seat? Stroke seat. Sprint race or head race? Head race. Unisuit or tank and trowel? uni barefoot or shoes on the erg ooh shoes wow shoes calories watts or splits
0: (sighs) ah splits best place to row oh um carnegie lake in princeton it's just beautiful
2: i want to clarify it sometimes i hear it pronounced carnegie uh, and not Carnegie. Is it, do you guys pronounce it Carnegie Lake?
0: I say Carnegie. I'm from Iowa. What do I know?
2: Here in DC, we hear on the
1: local NPR stations, um, little ads for the Carnegie Foundation. Oh, um, so holy. I think if you're like really in the know, you might say Carnegie, but everybody says Carnegie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: The big so, debate here is, is it Lake Carnegie or Carnegie Lake? Because oh. What did Rockefeller intend? What, let's get it straight. What? Princeton University owns the lake.
1: We have to look at a map. Does it say Lake Carnegie?
0: I think you'll find both.
1: Okay, last rapid fire question. Coffee before or
0: after a row? I'm an after, coffee after. And, and muffins and bagels and French toast and waffles and eggs. After And all those
1: other things. I love that. Thank you so much for answering our rapid fire questions. Now we're, our listeners know you a little bit better. And yeah. um, we want to talk with you about um,
0: your rowing week and
1: your rowing season a bit.
0: Yeah. How's your rowing week going? My rowing week is, uh, it's dwindling here. So despite the weather, um, I've kind of decided to call it, to call it a, a career. No, we won't say that. Um, to give it a little break. So I ended up racing at the head of the Schuylkill, um, on a whim I filled in for, uh, an Vesper eight that had an injury. And so, um, my family's like, I thought you were going to be done with the head of the Charles. No, no, no. One more, just one more, um, <laughs> which I'm so glad I did because it was 70 in Philly. So that's also a rare Schuylkill event as rare as the head of the Charles weather was of uh, the Schuylkill good weather was also a rarity. Um, so I think this is it for me. I heard there's a thing you can buy for the erg. That's like a foot plate. That's a little wider to go along with this frog leg technique that I've adopted to be honest. I'm not super excited about that. I'm still kind of like glowing from the weekend of head race season being over here in Princeton. We have a big, um, Princeton chase event coming up. It's collegiate, but it's fun to watch. So, I'm going to enjoy spectating on my home course and start up some prenatal yoga or something. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Sure.
2: I don't Absolutely. know. Can you, yeah. can you ride a bike?
0: Can you ride a stationary Yeah, bike? Yeah. Yeah. A bike? yeah.
2: Let's get a C2 bike in there and just, you know, go for it. Did you feel her kicking? Was she kicking during the race?
0: For sure. Yeah, yeah. she for sure was.
2: My follow-up to that is, can you tell if she's a porter or starboard?
0: <laughs> See, um, I can't, but I, I kind of think that starboard. If I, if I were to steer her to a certain direction, maybe starboard, because then we could, we could row a pair. But Ooh. I mean, mm-hmm. either way, we'll start her off sculling. That seems to be um, the best European method of mm-hmm. uh, having rowing be a part of your life for the longest.
1: I like that you're thinking long term. <laughs>
2: you're, uh, I know you're married, and there's uh, other kids in your life. Is everybody into rowing or is this a family sport for you guys?
0: No, it's not. It's sort of, um, it's my thing. Apparently everybody has tried rowing though. That was kind of a prerequisite for, will we get along in this house together? There's a lot of appreciation, a lot of respect for rowing, but um, my husband's two teenagers did during COVID. They did a, an erg season and tried a few camps, but you know, blisters, early mornings, It's a hard sell (laughs) when you have a lot of um, competition with with high school sports, especially in in our area. It's my thing. I think it's a hard sell in general. My
1: husband does not row. He's perfectly built for it. Six foot, 165. I tried. I've tried and I tried. And a couple of years into our relationship, he was like, quit it. Like, I'm just not interested. I, I respect what you do. He comes to regattas. He talks to me about rowing as much as you can handle and and
2: that's enough and that's enough and that's okay rachel and i have talked uh, off and on over the years about um, whether we should have a rowing widow episode where there's like all the spouses of rowers like please stop talking about rowing (laughs) we have other things to talk about and like how hard regattas are for them like standing around and then the boat goes by and they don't know if it's really their person they don't know what seat they're in they don't know how to watch it they're like what's happening i don't even know you know about having a rowing widows round table
0: yeah yeah for years I had to wear a bright orange hat just um well I I and it also fit our team uniform and so my husband could pick could pick me out this is total tangent
1: but Tara I just I just had an idea like at a regatta at a big regatta like nationals or the Charles next year we should promote that we are a space for rowing widows like they can come to our tent (laughs) a safe space they can come to our tent and hang out and we'll talk to them about rowing Other things besides
0: rowing. This is a safe space. You don't have to talk about rowing here. You don't have to. We should just have the Rowing
2: rowing. Widow Zone. They can have a TV with like a couch, you know, they can just watch, you know, Netflix or something.
1: This episode is made possible in part by Lake Washington Rowing Club, the oldest rowing club in Seattle with a rich history and a long legacy of teaching the art of rowing. Find out more at lakewashingtonrowing.com. Steady State Podcast is made possible with listener support. Become a patron today for early access to episodes, discounts on SSN swag, and invitations to patron-only events. Find out more about support levels and benefits at steadystatenetwork.com/patreon.
2: Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at Steady State Network, and on Twitter at Steady State Row. In two, we're back
1: with Allison Mueller that's one two
2: all right so we're going to go back to the beginning we want to know what was going on in your life when you learned to row and what got you hooked
0: yeah um I was in the Midwest I rode at the University of Iowa and I actually played volleyball my freshman year and was recruited to start rowing my sophomore year and so um it was at the head of the Iowa. I found the novice coach and walked up and said, I want to switch. I want to switch teams. I want to learn how to row had never posted an ERG score. Um, my parents were club rowing at the time. So I was aware that the sport existed, didn't really think it was for me. Um, but was willing to try something new and, it ended up being a life-changing decision Um, in my career path, my hobbies, my friendships um, have definitely come from that moment. Um, And so I rode at the University of Iowa and then um, found the opportunity to work for U.S. Rowing, moved out to Princeton. And uh, believe it or not, that was the biggest hit for my rowing personally was to be um, around regattas and rowing all the time. I didn't find quite enough time to do it myself um and then those things kind of blended as as I got a little bit further along in my in my job and experience
2: so do you remember those first days in the boat and what what those were like can you describe that
0: yeah, for sure. So I remember um I came I came with a little bit of like I think I know how this works. So uh we didn't learn to feather until what seemed like a week or two before our first head race. And I'm telling everybody like no, you, you there's a you turn, the oar turns. And so <laughs> who are you like no we're all novices like nobody knows what's going on and these weird terms we watched our boatmen slip off the dock into the water one day and we're like, so everybody's like oh, the dock's slippery so and there's all this drama um drama around like the terminology and the equipment so i remember that just thinking that i knew what was going on and then actually, and knowing what was going, but then being very surprised with how, what was out there that I didn't know. Rowing was relatively new. We we're in The University of Iowa was in its ninth year as a varsity sport, a varsity D1 sport. And so um, there was a lot of conversation about the, the women and the people that got the program to where it was when I was there. And that seemed, um, I didn't appreciate it as much at the time as i do now that that was a big deal and i've met some of the women that came before me um and and after i mean now the program is, is sending athletes to under 23 camps and they have a beautiful new boathouse they host regattas and they're competitive at, at the time it just seemed like um it's a, a club thing. it's a thing to, the, a hobby, a club that can supplement my like college education. I, I wasn't quite, um, as focused on rowing as I wish I would have been, cause that could have been even more fun. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would, um, <laughs> focus less on school and more on rowing. It's more fun.
2: Well, you know, I, I hear that <laughs> a lot with, um, university of Washington rowers here in Seattle area that they actually major in rowing and they minor in (laughs) academics because it's such a huge part of their lives. And that's an expectation from that program, but I I get it. Like it's, it's really fun to like really dig into the sport. And I got to say as a learn to row coach, I love that you didn't go on the feather. I love that. I, I really sixes on the square. Oh, just makes me so happy uh, to (laughs) just proper hand height, you know, all those things. Um, Do you know, like, where was water and nature? And did that play a factor into why you uh, kind of fell for the sport?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I spent a lot of time outdoors, appreciated the outdoors, Um, coming from Iowa, the you get all kinds of weather. Um, So the, I think the cold and the heat um wasn't really a a deal breaker for me my dad was in the navy um, in vietnam and so i think at some point there the water is a part of our our lives i mean we we i grew up fishing um grew up swimming all that good stuff not sailing though that's still kind of a a mystery to me how that works <laughs> but um certainly rowing it felt like home
1: Now, when I think about rowing, I
0: don't think about Iowa a whole lot. So
1: what can you tell us about maybe what was going on with rowing in Iowa at that time when you were in school and you said that it has grown since then, but who are you racing against? And what's a competition like, I guess, at the collegiate and maybe possibly master's level in Iowa? Do you know these days?
0: Yeah. So, um, the university, I was part of the big 10. So we were racing, um, up in Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, Penn state, we went out to Boston to race in the head of the Charles. So it was a lot of like the, the Kansas, Oklahoma, I, I guess like Drake, um, there's some smaller programs. And so the Iowa river runs right through the university of Iowa campus. So it's like made for it it could be a brilliant spectator venue. <laughs> hmm. It's not, but you get a really great view of campus um rowing on the Iowa River. Uh and so since I've moved away, they had a donation to build a new boathouse, seven million dollar boathouse, tanks, leather seats in the locker rooms, wow. super swanky. Um, the uniform I mean the uniforms all match. Like it's crazy. (laughs) Uh, and then as far as the master scene, I mean, the head of the rock is a big Midwest event that that was kind of the high point of the fall season for us head of the Des Moines. Um, there is a Waterloo rowing club as well. That's mostly small boats. Um, but a few diehard, I mean, you see them, you see them around, um, rowers, Last forever <laughs> so you mentioned it as a
2: best place to row. can you describe uh, Carnegie Lake and the boathouse there for us?
0: Yeah so um as a scholar, I launched from the opposite end of the lake so uh, I share it with the local fishermen and the paddle boarders and the kayakers and everybody else that bought a small vessel in the last two years and decided that was going to be their life's passion um it's a 2K you get a 2K buoyed course um, some turns, some bridges, um uh, bald eagles, you get great blue herons, you get big snapping turtles, um, beautiful homes along the lakeside on one. Uh, and then on the other shore, there's a tow path. There's a, a bicycle running path that, um, has, you can hear people chatting and talking on the phone. So it feels very, I won't say urban, but it it feels like you're in in nature, but also not disconnected from the world.
1: How long have you been there in Princeton?
0: Two thousand six. Yeah. Is that when you
1: got on board with US Rowing?
0: Yes, I started with US Rowing uh, shortly after the organization moved from Indianapolis to Princeton, and they, I think, left some staff, hired some new staff, and so I started in April of two thousand six with US Rowing and worked right up until after the Rio Olympics in-house. Came back, did some consulting, um, and then most recently with the Tokyo Olympics, um, my work wasn't with U.S. drawing, it was with the organizing committee, so a little bit different, but um, I've enjoyed be- the proximity of my home and my my current professional situation and being able to to volunteer where I can and to get hired for cool events like the Olympics. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know that you were in Tokyo for about three
0: months as a media center venue manager. So um, I had uh, fulfilled this role um, at a, at a few events before, um, the under 23 world championships that were in Sarasota. Um, and I had been to a few Olympics in various roles. And so I was, um, I think a a decent candidate for the position just by virtue of being familiar with how the media center works, how um, the different people that occupy the media center, what sorts of things need to happen there, um, and what sorts of things should not. With, with Tokyo, uh, it was a little bit of like, here's this cool opportunity, and oh, it's not going to happen maybe it'll happen next year but just clear your calendar for this really cool thing this really cool job that we've hired you for and so it was strung out in a way and so i i have other clients and i'm you know sort of managing that side of things and so when uh when it finally went through when it was like okay made a few trips to the city got my japanese stamps and all the paperwork um and then obviously covid Through a huge wrench in the gears with all kinds of things. For me, it meant, um, I was, I was happy to get all my things cleared to make it on site in Tokyo and then be able to manage things from there. Um, I didn't end up being able to come home in between the Olympics and Paralympics. It was one long three month regatta, which, I mean, you've anybody that's been on the organizing management side of a regatta, it was so it was the longest, uh, incredibly stressful, but incredibly fulfilling time. Amazing to be working up close with my Japanese colleagues, um, with others that were international brought in from um, from different countries for leadership positions. And then uh, to sort of have things ready for the athletes that arrive. And um, I think the most challenging thing for me was we didn't always know what was going on with the latest, with COVID, with um, different things that you have to pivot, change at the last minute and being um, kind of like a lightning rod um, English speaker. I found myself in situations where I really needed to help people and it wasn't quite my role. I remember here helping a Nigerian uh, team member find their cell phone that they lost on a bus, because there was a, a language barrier, connection. And it's like, I, what am I doing right now? I'm, uh, you're, you're kind of pulled in all directions.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you were a good uh, liaison, and people kind of saw you as a as a helpful, friendly face. And she speaks English. <laughs> she looks like she could help you know, our audience is just everyday rowers. And this is something that most of our listeners will never experience maybe as spectators in the Olympics, especially in LA 2028, we'll probably be hitting that course pretty hard, um, as spectators, but you know, what's it like to be at that level of rowing and see this global rowing community? And, you know, what did you bring back to your club? Like what, why did it change you or influence you as a, as a leader in your community?
0: as a rower myself, you have this appreciation for athletes that are at the top of their game. I mean, it's just incredible to watch them walk from the bus to the locker room because hello, these are gods and goddesses of row. I mean, these are, these are athletes that are at the top of their game, right, right at that moment. Um, and that's not even the rowing itself. So just sort of how they are interacting with each other. Um, I people talk about the Olympics. It's like um, this camaraderie across countries. So you meet these people from all over the world. and yes, you're on the field of play. Uh, that's a different story. But on the ground, around the boatyard, it's it's a really fun atmosphere and you see people connect in ways that's uh, heartwarming. Um, another really special thing about the Olympics and my role that I've played in the professional rowing world is um, being a part of this, this mixed zone and this media scene. So you, uh, you see very, you have a very intimate interaction with athletes that have either just experienced the greatest joy of their life or the, the biggest disappointment ever, everything in between, um, often before they've, they've met their coaches, they've met their parent parents. So you, you have this really interesting experience where you're, you're witnessing, raw, like really raw emotions mm. and to see that play out, not just with English speaking athletes, the U S athletes, Canadians, Australians, New Zealanders, but with other, with other countries. And to, it it can, it brings you, it can bring you to tears, uh, to listen to people's people's stories. And it's just, it's more pronounced it's at the Olympics. You can recognize how
1: hard they've worked to get there and how important it is the success Mm -hmm. uh how exciting the success can be and how heartbreaking the loss can be we've all felt that at little levels so i can only imagine what that's like as an olympian who spent years and years training um, to get there
2: yeah and interesting that perspective of you're right there on the docks right before they get to their families before they see their coaches for you as a, as a rowing professional, you really come back down to that essence of the sport and how much it means to people. And they've put their whole lives on hold in order to be able to do it. So, but I want to ask you, I know you said it a little bit earlier, what's next for you, but let's take us, you know, maybe a year from now, like what's, what's next for Allison Mueller and rowing.
0: Well, I have big plans for my, my post baby uh, rowing, who knows what the future holds, but um, I would love to be at a, another 70 degree head of the Charles with a little stroller and cheering on all my, my friends and teammates from the shore, maybe from a boat. I don't know. Strap her on your back, just little,
2: <laughs> little baby Bjorn on little, little thing, you know, just, you know, going down the... We'll see you out there on Thursday. How about that? We'll meet you there on Thursday. You can just like cruise. <laughs> we'll do a photo shoot with you next year. <laughs>
0: that would be that would be a Charles to remember.
2: We could find you a coxed pair, you know, with a little in the back and like somebody could row with you. Just like you know, rapper in a PFD.
1: Yeah. Well, whatever comes next for you, we'll be we'll be watching, we'll be paying attention, and uh, we're here to support you. And as friends and rowing colleagues, we can't wait to see what's next, even if it means spectating from shore and and cheering our heads off with you uh, at next year's Head of the Charles. And then uh, you know, maybe in a couple of years, we can get you in a we'll get you in a steady state network composite boat for for an event.
2: Ooh. Yes. Yeah, bring me in.
0: Yeah, we're That'd sort of so building a dream team. <laughs> that would be so much fun.
2: Thanks for joining us, and um, this has been really fun. Thanks for coming. Thank yeah. you.
0: I'm totally flattered. I mean, I feel like I'm not doing anything special, uh, but it's it's clear that that's not true. I've heard from a lot of people, met a lot of people for the first time that are inspired. So I'm I'm so grateful yeah, yeah. for the experience.
2: All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. See you later, Allison. Have a good day. Thanks, you too.
1: To see photos of Allison and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website.
2: Coming up on Steady State Podcasts, we interview the self-taught rowing phenom that is Isaiah Harrison. We couldn't miss him at the head of the Charles, standing at six foot nine and surrounded by his always supporting family. From his backyard lake in rural Idaho to the world stage, Isaiah has broken countless indoor records and continues to dominate in the men's single. We'll talk humble beginnings, big dreams, and what it takes to take on the world.
1: Hey Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast.
2: Right, we should tell them about Friday mornings when we get together for Coffee Chat. We talk about rowing, racing, technique, but we also deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership.
1: Yeah, I really look forward to those Friday morning chats with you and yeah. our listeners. So we hope that you'll join us Friday mornings at 8 a.m. West, 11 East on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation.
2: Steady State Podcast celebrates real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level. Search the podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast topics. Or listen on your favorite podcast app.
1: This episode was written, produced, hosted, and edited by Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman. Tara provides additional audio engineering, and Rachel manages our website and social media. Our theme music is by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. In two, way enough. That's one, two, way enough.